Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 55. We come to you every week, every Monday, we have a new episode on professionals in the skilled trades. And today is, we are talking, you're going to learn about one of the top welding institutes in the country. This is the whole Bart Institute of Welding Technology. You're going to learn what employers are looking for when they're looking to hire a welder More importantly, you're going to learn about all the great opportunities in this profession. It is a growing profession that touches almost everything that we use in this world today, from from a fastener to bridges to planes, automobiles, anything you could think of. So it's a great profession. My guest today is a welder, a marketing career representative for the Hobart Institute of Welding, He grew up in Dayton, Ohio, where he went to school at Wright State University. He started his career in in an automotive company in Indianapolis. He's very proud of the fact that he was one of the top admission representatives in the country. So that means he was doing a great job at getting people into these programs and getting them educated and really having a profound impact on their lives. He landed his current role through a referral, which is proof that networking is critical for creating any kind of job opportunities. During his free time, he likes to vacation with his family, and he likes to play golf. Please welcome Calvin Scher to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Calvin, how are you this evening? I'm doing wonderful, Keith. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, my pleasure, my pleasure. Calvin, speaking of vacation, where, where do you like to travel when you do travel? Well, you know, here over on the eastern side of the United States, we always head south to Florida. There you go. There you go. And and I bet that's a nice trip, especially in the winters. (laughs) Yeah, we just got to get through Atlanta, though, you know, make it through the traffic there. Oh, I know. I know. I hear you. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Calvin, one of the things I have to say is we connected through LinkedIn. And I just really want to emphasize how important the... um, these platforms are in terms of networking to people. You know, this technology that we have and these resources are why Calvin and I are doing a podcast right now. And a matter of fact, I had the opportunity to do a day in the life interview with him. So Calvin has a ton of wisdom, a ton of knowledge, really excited to have him on. Calvin, let me ask you something. Why welding? What attracted you to this profession? Well, I, like you said, uh, you know, was the referral that got me into the welding side. I had never welded in a day in my life before that. I was, you know, working the automotive side after I graduated college. I got a typical four-year degree, like most people say, go do. And to this day, I've never, I've never used, well, in a sense, really not used my degree. I, I've been more on the technical side of it, working the automotive and the welding side. But the, the welding just drew me to it. It just, I like to build things. I've gone through the classes there, taken some classes at at, at Hobart, and uh, I, I just I picked it up, and it was it was awesome to build things and and see from beginning to end on what what I could actually make uh, with my hands and and you know the the possibility of money out there that I can I can help the students with once they're done with our program. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. It, it is pretty, it's an amazing skill set to have. And something about fire is pretty exciting. I've seen how welders work and it's not easy. You know, it does take a lot of hand-eye coordination. You know, you definitely have to be safe, but I would imagine, you know, if it's something you enjoy doing, it's just one of those things that you either love it or you don't, right? Yeah, so, it's it's definitely a great career to have. And the opportunities for jobs and money out there, you know, coming into this, I, I didn't, I really didn't know the full aspect or, you know, the, the realm of how much money you could make in this field until I got into it. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, with my admission side of it and recruitment, I, I, I really don't try to recruit the students. I just, you know, tell them to come and see what the opportunities are here and see how it is at the school and, you know, go check out all your options because, you know, th there's multiple out there, you know, we're not the only one, but you know, the, the name really helps out in selling itself. Definitely. Calvin, I want to just drill down into something you said. You said you tell the students to come and check it out. Is that an option? Because I think that's very important because as people are trying to figure out what career, do they have the option to maybe just come in and walk through the campus? And obviously they'd have to set up a meeting, but can you, can you uh, talk about that opportunity? Yeah, um, right now uh, with the COVID restrictions, we are we are allowing people to come into the campus. Uh, we we do allow about three tours a day at the campus, yes. which uh, you know some days I do go out to high schools and I'm talking to students about our program. But the other days I am in the office uh, helping with tours, showing the students around that come in from. I have them coming from New York City to California, so I'm there to show them around for tours. Um, you can go on our website uh, welding.org and uh, set up a tour. Uh, through our website that way. Excellent. Excellent. So just again, just want to emphasize folks, this is a opportunity where you could try it before you buy it. And I think that that's really amazing that, that they're giving you that opportunity. There's, you know, this is something that just, it's, it's a great opportunity. The numbers don't lie. The compensation is really good. Calvin, talk to me about, you know, we live in a world that's constantly changing and I'm a firm believer that in order to, su to succeed and to survive and succeed, you must be able to adapt. And one of the things I noticed with you is you've changed careers. Can you talk to us about that experience and what you've learned? Well, you know, there's always different things in each field that I've learned. Really, really the, the biggest one is, you know, a lot of people, they, they want a genuine person, you know, with, with this industry, you know, they want to be told the truth. They, you know, they don't want to be you know, like a used car salesman, they just want to know, you know, you know, what the bottom line, what, what are we looking at cost wise, uh, you know, and, and I'm not the person there to, you know, lie to them. I'm, I'm going to tell them the truth. This is what it is. And, uh, you know, we're not going to give you anything, you know, more than you need. We're going to get you in and get you out and get you a career. Then, you know, I, I, I think just, you know, telling the truth in this is, is the biggest thing. Yeah. I, and I think those skill sets of just being able to, you know, you've worked in the automotive industry, you know, you know, and ha you have some experience. So I think those people skills have probably helped you in this. Correct. You know, and it's also a testament to your character in terms of just being a straight shooter. So, you know, that's that's just an asset. Talk to me about what makes the Hobart Institute of, you know, what makes it different from other institutions? Because when we talked, I think you'd shared with me that it is a very high rated school. And I want to know why. Well, I would say probably first and foremost, the, the biggest thing is it being a nonprofit. The school, you don't see many technical schools like us that are nonprofit. 
there's a lot of misconstruity in the college industry, a lot of for-profit industries out there. And some are in it for the right reasons, some are not. And, and, and that's, and that's what really, you know, kind of irks me a little bit is because I, I don't want the students being taken advantage of. I want them to get a great career and be able to go out and make a lot of money and, you know, not be like a four-year college graduate that's a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you know, and, and the college didn't give them anything, you know, they go for an automotive program or, or something like that. And the college doesn't help them find a job. That, that's where I'm, I'm there to help the students because my title is career services at the school. So, you know, I want to, Make sure that I'm helping them, you know, from the beginning, telling them, like I said, the straight shooter. And, and at the end, I'm there to help them find the job once they're done. And yeah. the nonprofit aspect of it with the school, the, the really the biggest portion of it, the, the tuition costs are getting is really getting reinvested back into the school. It's not going to some big wig salary. That's that's what I like about the nonprofit side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, you know. That's really good because it, it's it's a mission, you know, and I'll tell you something, it, it'll I'm sure it pays off as your students are going out and getting good jobs. I'm sure that they're probably good advocates for you guys, the alumni. Well, and also also with the nonprofit aspect of it, like I said, we, we do put a good portion of the tuition back into the cost of uh, one being the metals, um, two being the welding booths. And, um, you know, all of the, all the machines, keeping them up to date. So they have, you know, up to date, adequate equipment. They're not using broken down equipment. This is, we try to have the best looking school that we possibly can. So it's, you know, you're not coming into a dark and, you know, a lot, a lot of people have the, uh, the notion or the stigma that welding is a dark, dingy factory. Come to the school and I'll show you, I'll tell you different. I'll show you different too. Definitely. Also, another thing, too, that I did learn when we spoke is that you guys have a a high number of stations, you know, so you're able to get a lot more people in. So, yeah, to to that point, I I don't know of any that have there are some that come close. Uh, We have three hundred and forty five welding stations at the school that, that, you know, most, you know, you can go to a community college, whether it be in a Georgia there or, you know, West Coast, California, most community colleges that I've seen that I've gone uh, through and toured when I'm out, you know, at some high schools that might have like a community college tied with the high school, 20 to 30 welding booths. And so wow. that, that really limits the amount of people that they can get in their program. Sure. You know, and if, if so, then they're doubling up or tripling up in the booths if they get more than what they have. So with the 345 we have, it gives every student their own welding booth. So then that gives them full aspect and full time to weld that whole day. And they don't have to, split half their time of the day welding with another student because they're doubling up in a booth. I'm willing to bet that you get higher caliber graduates because of that. Just spending more time. That just, I mean, again, that's just my guess. If you're spending more time doing something, I could only imagine you're going to get better at it than if you're splitting your time with someone else. Yeah. I, I kind of see it as practice doesn't make perfect in this field. Practice makes permanent. That's kind of the, that's kind of the motto I say with how we train at the school, because this isn't something that you can pick up right away. You got to practice it to make it permanently instilled. It's it's a muscle memory. It's 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 all in the arms with with your arms and the way you're holding everything. It's it's a whole muscle memory there. So you got to keep you got to keep running that weld multiple times to get that instilled in your arm. Yeah, that makes sense. So so tell me something. You know you you know you are in the business of helping these uh, students that come through your program get jobs. Talk to me about how your school, 
you know, the relationships that you have with the employers. And right now, what is important to employers? What do they want right now? What are they telling you they want in terms of your candidate? Probably the number one question I'm getting from companies right now is uh, attendance. What's oh. what's the student's attendance? I, I don't see, you know, the, the, the drugs and alcohol, things like that are some issues, but really they can look over past that a lot of the time. Most of the time, the question is, can they show up? Oh, wow. Is, the, is probably the number one question out there. I got to tell you, that's a low barrier to entry. I, and maybe you and I came up in a different time. And I'm not going to knock different generations because people are who they are, right? Like whether you're young or old, there are people who, have, who just are not dedicated to their craft. But I, I would think that attendance should be, that's just the easiest thing to do. You just show up to work. It, it always seems like there's an excuse for something. And I, I, I don't know what it is. I've been, I've been in this industry a total of 10, almost 11 years, uh, you know, recruitment uh, with my other company I worked for before this, before Hobart Institute. It, it, every year it seems to decline uh, the, the attendance, the, the issues, the problems. And, and I hate to say it with the pandemic that just happened, it, that's just giving them another excuse to, to bail out on the, on the jobs and in, in, in school and everything. So it's, it's, I don't think this helped us at all. Sure. No, I can understand. Yeah. People got a little bit comfortable with uh, being home where there's just a fair, uh, I could see that. I wonder sometimes if transportation is also economics could be yeah. an issue. And I would have a little bit more empathy with that because then that's something we can kind of come up with a plan are you seeing things like that? Like I, I can live with this. Somebody's like, I don't have transportation to get to work. You know, I, I could have some empathy with that. Are you seeing things like that? Or is it just uh, somebody's just lazy? They overslept like that, that I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy. For. Yeah. I would say it's more the, the, the fallback on the transportation. My car didn't start or I don't have a car. Well, you got two feet. I say you can walk yeah. get up early, get to school or get to your job. Um, there, you shouldn't have an excuse. That's, that's my yeah. opinion. And like you said, our, our times that we grew up in, we got to our place of need for whenever we needed to just yeah. nowadays that, you know, there's always an excuse and you know, they, you know, if they can get away with it once they can get away with it a second or third time. Yeah. It becomes a habit. Yeah. I, I would also think that just, if you know that there's a transportation issue, maybe there's some planning, maybe there's, and this is where I think mentorship could come in handy. This is where I think some people do need mentors. They need somebody. And again, it's, you know, it is their responsibility. I mean, if they make a commitment, they knew that, hey, this is the location that I have to go to. You knew if you didn't have a car, <laughs> you know, like. You know, and I, I think, I think a lot of states need to bring back driver's ed because yes. being in this for 10, 11 years, you know, the high schools I go into, the students I talk to, to, you know, market our school, a lot of the students I'm seeing aren't getting their high, their uh, driver's license even by their senior year, by 18. I mean, when I was wow. young, and I'm sure when you were young, I was getting my attendance uh, by uh, 15 and a half or 16 years old. Yes, yes. It was freedom for us. And some aren't even getting it now till they're 21. That's crazy. Which baffles me. Uh, yeah, that that is crazy. You know, and, and I guess it, I, I, I might be more empathetic if they lived in a city where they had proper transit but, you know, no, that's just not going to work, you know. So attendance, wow, that that is definitely interesting. And you know what else is good about that is the people that do attend, that show up, do have an opportunity to shine. You know, you're going to stand out over the ones that are not. Now, 
we know that there's a skills gap going on. It's getting worse because workers are getting older. How do we close this gap? How do we get more people in the skill trades? You know, I, I actually gave a presentation on this out actually you know, at a uh, American Welding Society conference in Houston, Texas. And, you know, I, that's that's a good question. How do we, you know, I would say have more technical programs coming into high schools, allowing allowing them the right to come in versus allowing these four-year colleges to come in. Sure. You, you know, they... They want to promote the colleges, which which don't get me wrong. I understand there are some that are going to go four year out, but don't don't be don't turn a blind eye to me as being like a technical welding school coming into the high school and telling the kids, hey, this is another opportunity. You know, there might be more percentage of students that are really looking at this that, you know, don't know it. And they they possibly could have a, a liking to this and, and they don't get this opportunity to hear from me. And they graduate and, you know, they get stuck at a dead end job and they they never got to hear this opportunity. Yeah, I I do think the schools are a little rigid because I've reached out to schools and just to do career days and talk about the skilled trades. And they've they've pushed back. (laughs) And and to me, I'm like, I can't believe that it's just it's just another opportunity for these young people to. um, This is not something where I'm doing where we're doing this for entertainment. This is real viable jobs that pay a good living wage. And and I think they look at it because it hurts their numbers. If the student doesn't go to college, they don't get a credit or rating for their school, whether it's Georgia, Ohio or California. You know, that that person going to college is going to get them uh, bumping up in their their rating of the school. I don't think we should rate schools that way. I think we should, you know, look at people that do something, whether it be military, technical program, college, or apprenticeship program. That's, that's, yeah. you know, if, if they're doing something rather than not doing anything, I think we should rate them that way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they're more, I think you've got to do what's in the best interest <laughs> of the kid. If we're not doing what's in the best interest of the kid, what, what's the point of the school? Like, what, what are we doing? You know, so I agree with you 100 percent. That makes perfect sense. And I think it's just having leadership in the schools that gets that. That's like, you know what? We're not focused so much. We want to, at the end of the day, make sure everybody's employed and working. Like if there was a different criteria for how they were graded, which is how many of your students are getting employed after X number of years, it would change the behavior. You know, that should be the benchmark. That to me is success. Success is mission accomplished. They say mission accomplished because they graduated or the next mission accomplished is that so many kids got into college. That's not mission accomplished. Even if they get into college, some of them are not even getting jobs. So mission accomplished to me is who's getting jobs and who's getting paid. You know, I, I heard um, a, a really good, reputable welding instructor that I went to the other day. He was telling me, he was like, look at, look at the pay rate for somebody here in the United States as an auto worker. And look at the pay rate for an auto technician in the state, uh, in the country of Mexico. You know, they, they pay, you know, twelve, fifteen dollars an hour here in the United States to a dollar and thirty in Mexico. And he said, you know, I look at at, at, a, at a thirty to one ratio. And they're like, Well, if you add that up, that doesn't add that doesn't add right. That's only, you know, fifteen to one or you know, seventeen to one in ratio there. And he's like, No, it's thirty to one because you put three of our American people up against one Mexican and they can do that one Mexican can do more work than 
three of our American people. You know, there's something to be said there that we don't have people that are willing to get down and do the work and get it done quickly where, you know, the the other, you know, the Mexican can get everything done in a very fast paced rate and efficient, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's definitely definitely a challenge. Our infrastructure, you know, there are so many things that if we don't have that manpower, that it's it's going to hurt us long term. The infrastructure, it's a problem. It's a problem. And and that's why I keep, you know, that's why I keep trying to promote these skill trades. And we're we're all affected by it. If you just look at things like plumbing and electric, it's getting harder to get a plumber out. And I hear that. I talk to people all over the country. That's universal. I'm hearing everybody say that. And, you know, one thing to harp upon that is I don't know if you're a big fan or follow the Skills USA, but uh, we as yes. a school go to the Skills USA national competitions and, you know, one thing that I've seen and I, I've heard it from other companies, welding companies, that is, they talk about how the international communities are pumping thousands or millions and millions and millions of dollars into the skilled trades like China or wow. Korea's, um, you know, they are pumping a lot of people into the welding aspect of it. And they're outperforming us in hundreds to wow. one, you know, thousands to one over over the United States. And, and it's because we aren't investing in this like we should be. Yeah. No, nah, you're right. That is, that is pretty scary. Talk to me about some of the benefits. You'd mentioned a, the American Welding Society. Can you talk to me about the benefits of people joining groups like that? Well, the, the American Welding Society is the certification body. Um, they also do a lot of you know, numbers, aspects of, you know, the welding field, pay rates, things like that, that they see, you know, job trainings they do certifications, they do technical training stuff as well. And uh, we use uh, some of their uh, training material with certification material at the school as well for any kind of certification uh, for any kind of welder. Uh, if you want to become a, a AWS D1.1, or we do some training on uh, API 1104, which is uh, some welding lingo there. I'm probably going over your head, but uh, um, the AWS is a great membership to join because it can definitely open the books up for whether you want to get certifications or you want even scholarship opportunities. You can use the AWS. They have scholarship opportunities that the students can use to actually come and uh, help out with tuition costs here at Hobart Institute. So can they get that scholarship money after they've joined the program? Well, if they're actually a student, uh, a high school student, only a charge is only $15 to join. So it's, it's not very expensive. And then wow. once they join at paying that $15, then they have all of the means of any kind of scholarships or grants uh, that they might have there through the AWS to help pay with tuition costs here. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be more than $15 for the tuition. So that is a oh, yeah. great, yeah. that's a great investment. Yep. You're going to get your money back, I'm sure, and then some. <laughs> so, you know, there's a popular saying that learners are earners. And we have social media, which provides an abundance of information, you know, the ability to connect with people all over the world. Can you please share how new welders can take advantage of the technology and resources to increase what they earn? How can they leverage technology and social media? Well, I got a, I got a lingo for you, too, or a, a slogan there. If you ain't burning, you ain't learning. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that that's, that's kind of the training, I, you know, I say for us because we're a training facility. So if you ain't burning yeah. the, the rods, you ain't learning. But. There, there is a lot of uh, social media out there that they can look into. Uh, you know, you look up the school, you can find us on Google, you can find us on, you can find us on Snapchat, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. 
um, you know, any one of our pages to get more information. You can even find us on our on our website. Uh, it's got all the costs and tuition and how long the program is on our website as well. So uh, the, the social media has definitely opened up a lot of doors. The nice thing, though, the, the school has been around so long that there's a big word of mouth with the school. Um, I, I, I've been with the school uh, six years on, going on to seven years here uh, in a little bit. But the biggest marketing that I've seen with the school is word of mouth. People are coming in because their brothers, their sisters, their uncles, their uh, grandfathers, their fathers have gone through this program. The school's been around since 1930. Wow. Wow. And on average, what is that in comparison to other schools? That- um, I think the next one started in the 19, mid-1950s is probably the closest oh, wow. one to us. The Hobart Company has been around over 100 plus years. The, the Hobart brothers uh, were the ones that started the school back in the 1930s. And then, then uh, in 1940, that's when we broke off and became a nonprofit. So we're actually not affiliated with the company anymore. Uh, we became nonprofit and uh, the company's still on the for-profit side. So the Institute became its own entity and self-sustaining itself with the uh, tuition costs that the students pay. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So... I got a question for you, you know, so Skill Stadium, my company, we have a platform that allows job seekers to use video. And so they can create 30 second elevator pitches. They can do about 360 second videos, basically demonstrating their knowledge and skill sets. I want to kind of get your feedback because I know that it's important to bring the right people in the interview. What do you see the value of video? Because, you know, obviously people have to go out and get jobs, but they've got to be able to make an impression to the employers. And I'd be curious because welding is something where, it's a technical skill set and you can use video to show that you're competent. What's your take on using video for people to help market themselves? Well, with the times that we're in now, the the video is probably the best and easiest way to get your information to somebody, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's uh, Facebook, a quick video on there. But like you said, the elevator pitch, you got to You got to really tell them in a 30 to 60 second time frame what you're about. Get get to your direct points there quickly, as fast as possible and sell yourself um, to, you know, tell them why you are who you are, what makes you the best welder out there. And you got to do it in a quick time because, you know, sometimes they might not have enough time to, to sure. get, get to your point there. But uh, I've, I've definitely worked on my elevator pitches uh, back in the days. So that's, that's what makes me a great networking person, a great marketing person with this position. Yeah. I just really want to emphasize, and I think you did, it's just the importance of those soft skills. So, you know, it's important to be a good welder and, and to do, you know, to do the proper training, but you still have to make sure you still have those soft skills because when you go out to the interview, as I'm sure you're aware, that is the expectation. You still have to go and interview like, like you would interview for any other job, <laughs> you know. Well, actually, with the welding, a lot, a lot of the times the, there is not too much questioning. Most of it, they want to see how the welds look. A lot of the companies you come into, they might ask, you know, you know, where are you from? Kind of a little background on yourself. But most of the time it's, hey, here's your metal. Here's your blueprint. Go build the piece. And we want to see your skills and your techniques and, uh, you know, how good of a worker you are without, you know, some of them want to test them to see can they take initiative? Can they build this piece without us having to tell them what to do? Oh, that's because, amazing. That's because amazing. with the welding side, yes, you kind of want to have your soft skills, but they the, the HR people know that these people aren't going to be speaking to customers. They're going to be the ones building the piece. 
They want them to get out there. They want them to build the piece as quick as possible and as effective as possible and as low cost, as low as cost as possible too. Is teamwork important for them because there are multiple people? Are they working in conjunction with other welders? Sometimes it depends. Um, Sometimes they are doing projects with other welders. Sometimes they're doing individual stuff. So uh, that, that question is, you know, kind of very broad with that. Um, I would have to say, uh, I've never really seen how much teamwork I'd have to, it just depends on the company really on whether they're going to do project based stuff or they're going to be doing individual based stuff there. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, you know, you and I, we didn't grow up with social media yet. You know, it's the reason we're talking. Do you have, do you have a platform that you prefer? How has social media affected your career? And do you have a platform that you prefer? Well, you know, I'm, I I would say I'm really big on LinkedIn. I I try to network with as many people as possible. I do have a Facebook. Other than that, I really don't have anything else. Um, My LinkedIn is very professional. My, my Facebook is professional too. I do keep it to uh, a lot of job postings for my students because uh, I'm there to help them find a job once they're done. And, and I'm, trolling the Facebook as much as possible. You know, not like everybody else on Facebook's trolling. I'm, I'm actually looking for the good stuff. I'm looking for the jobs that I can reshare on my page that my students will be able to see just in case, you know, they might not be on this certain forum that talks about different welding jobs out there. And the um, LinkedIn is where I, you know, meet people and, you know, get, get the information out there about Hobart, um, whether it be with you doing the podcast here or whether uh, before I got on the podcast here, I was just uh, messaging somebody in a, in a welding company out of Houston, Texas. Okay. So it's pretty common that you're getting, one of the things that's real impressive is you're getting job opportunities from all over the country. You're getting students from all over the country, which shows you guys are just not a regional player. And we're in small town, Ohio, and I've got kids from New York City, Manhattan to uh, Los Angeles, California. That's amazing that they're finding, well, you know, social media word of mouth, right? Majority of those people that are coming from, say, like New York and California, how are they finding out about you guys? Just you're in small town, Ohio. Um, I would say the eastern side more knows about us because there's a lot of welding programs out here on the East Coast. I don't know much of the West Coast because I'm not out there much on how many schools are out there. But I see some of them. I follow a few schools that I know. But really, the West Coast, most of that that I see is, like I said, word of mouth. A lot of you know, you know grandfathers, fathers, mothers, somebody went through the program and they're coming here. Another thing is Google. Uh, you, you Google, and this is the, the absolute truth. You Google best welding school in the United States. Hobart Institute pops up as the number one on there. Nice. Actually, we um, we saw a report. Uh, the Georgetown Institute uh, research talked about the best uh, it, uh, return on investments of any college in the United States. We ranked 19th on that uh, in front of um, Stanford, I believe. And um, I can't remember what the other. It was another Ivy League school that we ranked 19th out of, uh, I believe, I think they surveyed 50 schools wow, on, on return on investment. How long is the program typically? Well, there's two. They can take a structural program, which is six months long, uh, 24 weeks to be exact, because we run a little different than your colleges. We run on an hourly based, then a quarterly based. And then we also have a, a 10-month or a 40-week program. Uh, that's a pipe, pipe welding. It's a combination structural and pipe welding program. Wow. So you're out in under a year. 
Correct. There are some electives that the students can take. We have some specialized stuff, like if they want to get in the aerospace industry or if they want to get into the pipe, uh, pipe fitting, if they want to get into uh, any kind of uh, stainless welding, uh, food grade stainless. We have some other classes. We have uh, some rigging courses, some pipeline courses, things like that, that they, uh, uh, downhill courses that they can take, um, that they can add, they can extend it out by a couple weeks. So they they can they can pretty much get done if they took some of the electives in around about twelve months to you know thirteen months if they took all the electives really but if they if they just took the full program ten months would be the longest and six six months would be the shortest. That's amazing. I mean that's that's a game changer. You know you can be you know think about this. You could be nineteen years old and and finish you know finish and fully qualified welder. Eighteen you graduate from high school. You said it takes no more than a year, right? So. 19 and making a good living too at that. And the, and the nice thing with us, we're different than a lot of community colleges in that sense that have some welding programs. The students, we don't, like I said, we don't run on a quarterly based time. Um, so the students actually can come in and we can get them started any month of the year that they want, 12 months out of the year. So once they have their high school diploma, realistically, they could get started. If they graduated in May, they could get started in June and be done. 10 months later, you'd probably be looking around April to May of that next year. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. I just, I mean, I, I'm constantly amazed at how easy you guys make it. And, you know, just doesn't take a whole lot of time. And um, are you okay with talking about what the tuition is? Oh, yeah. For, uh, the, yeah. Um, so if they took the six month structural program, that one runs $11,700. And okay. the 10 month program uh, with the pipe uh, 40 week program is $19,500. That's great. And and it, for any welders that might listen to the podcast, one thing to know in that cost of tuition, since we're nonprofit, we are putting the money, I should say most of the money goes back in, a lot of it goes back into the metals. So nice. the students don't have to cut the metal or prep the metal. The, the metal's all brand new. Uh, that's that's a lot of problems. There was, you know, some of the other competitors out there, they, they, they give them scrap metal and they got to cut the metal. They got to grind it. They got to prep it. That prep time is going to cut out so much time of their welding time. So that's why at school we're prepping that because I always, when I go to schools and tell the students, I say, you're not coming here to be a grinder or helper out in the field. You're coming here to be a welder. So that's why we prep the metal so we can save you that 30 minutes to an hour time of prepping. So you can get right into it, tack your welds up, tack your metal up, I should say, and then start welding. Oh man, that's amazing. That's amazing. And again, I think what you guys do is you guys are so much more efficient you have everything that people need. They just focus in on the welding and away they go. There's no distractions. Final question, Calvin. Can you please share one lesson that you've learned in your life that can help young people who are thinking of starting their careers in the skill trades? Well, probably the, the number one question or the number one thing I've learned is finish as quick as possible. As I mentioned, as you mentioned too at the beginning, I went through a four-year welding program, or I'm sorry, a four-year college myself. And, you know, get out as quick as possible because I hate to say it, debt is a big thing that weighs on a lot of people's mind nowadays. And college can be, can be expensive sometimes. Um, but, you know, or, you know, you can do an apprenticeship program too. But the, the thing I've learned is, Try, you know, try to be as free as possible because that puts a lot of stress on people. Uh, you know, money, paying it back, 
make sure and also make sure that the right you pick the right career, whether it's welding, whether it's becoming a doctor, make sure the career is right for you, because that that's what I that's what I hear a lot of people, friends of mine, you know, kids in high school, kids that have come back and taken the welding program. Hey, I went to community college. I went to a four year college and what I was going for just wasn't right for me. And so do it as quick as possible, but make sure it's the right thing too for you as well. That's great advice, Calvin. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Calvin, tell people how they can find you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much, Keith, for having me. And uh, you guys can uh, reach me uh, at the school. Uh, our website's welding.org, www.welding.org. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Calvin, H-I-W-T, Share, S-C-H-A-R-R-E-R. And uh, also on LinkedIn, uh, Calvin Share. And uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions uh, via those social media sites. Calvin, thank you so much for being on the show. You have a great evening. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.